I think this is the most miserable video I've ever had to make. And I hate this video. And I'm telling you guys right now, it's going to be ugly and unpleasant. And it's, I'm not, this isn't like um, me trying to shock you into watching the video. Um, actually, you might not want to watch this video. Um, I'm going to read to you the entire report about Ravi Zacharias and what he did, because this is the thing that opens my eyes. And it's the thing that's going to open your eyes. But it's hard to not be emotional. Um, usually in the middle of a crisis scenario, I'm pretty good at being not emotional at, the, at that moment. <sighs> this is not that moment for me. Um, yeah, this is going to be emotional. It's going to make you angry. And it, it should make you angry. But here's the thing. If you don't want to hear this, if you don't want to hear the report, if you don't want to hear from Lori Ann Thompson, one of Ravi's victims, and you're going to hear from her, her directly today, if you don't want to hear this, then I, I tell you this, you cannot speak about the issue in public because you didn't want to hear the issue. You didn't want to know what he really did. You want to say, oh, you know, he's a Davidson too and don't cast the first stone and all that. You can't say any of those things because you don't even know what you're talking about yet unless you actually read the report, which I'm going to do today or understand exactly what's going on. Um, I have not enjoyed a single moment of preparing for today's video and you're probably not going to enjoy very much of today's video. <laughs> Um, originally, the plan was I was going to take a few days off. I wasn't teaching today. That was the agenda anyway, and uh, uh, that didn't happen. But uh, here's why I have to do this. First question I should ask, why am I making a video where I am talking about exposing a Christian leader, a man who is probably, was, was probably one of the most highly respected Christian apologists in the world? Um, and here's the reasons why I'm doing it. One, Laurie Thompson. I knew the world to be an unsafe place before I met Ravi Zacharias, but I yet had hope that there were some safe and sacred spaces. I no longer live with that hope. I trusted him. I trusted Christendom. That trust is irreparably and catastrophically shattered. I yet believe Christ, even if he's not true, as he is the highest ethic that I can find. They, the religious elite, stripped him, beat him mercilessly, called him all manner of names, and publicly crucified him too. Even though I was a survivor before I met Arzad, having met and come to know him was one of the most traumatizing, soul-destroying, faith-crushing seasons of my life. He tore down everything that I had built that I thought was beautiful. My marriage, my husband, my home, my faith, my family's faith, my capacity to mother, my mental and physical health, and what little good repute I had, I had, and ultimately my entire career path. Laurie Thompson was a victim not only of Ravi Zacharias's sexual abuse, it's way more than that. Um, her life was close to ruined. And this, this right now is the moment of her vindication. There is still currently an NDA that keeps her from speaking. Technically, I'm under the impression, God help me, that the NDA uh, is invalid, legally speaking, because Ravi broke the NDA right after he made them sign it. Um, but technically, it's still there. Um, this video that she posted, she even says in her video, her victim impact statement that this is she's not sure what's going to happen as she shares this. And I can be honest, I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen as I share it. But um, I spoke with the other uh, board members for Bible Thinker, and they agreed that um, this was the right thing to do. And so, uh, yeah, um, I'm going to share her clips from her video. And we need to know about this stuff. 
there's a lot of open wounds. That's number one, okay? The number one reason I'm making this video is there's open uh, cases, situations in the world right now where there's victims who are still victims, even undiscovered victims of Ravi Zacharias. And if you think this issue is just about Ravi or RZIM or the reputation of Christianity, it is about that, but not probably the way you're thinking, um, then you're missing out on the victims and these people that have been injured and hurt and they need to be vindicated and they need to be defended just as they were attacked for years. That's number one. Number two, the second reason I need to do this video is because there's open wounds in the body of Christ as well as they're suffering, looking at someone they looked up to and, and who is living this atrocious double life. Um, there's also open wounds in RZIM. RZIM is not Ravi, right? But And how should we view them? I'm going to talk about this later. We're going to get into this in detail, what at least my opinion is, is I can hope to have some measure of wisdom to not tell everybody what they have to do about this, but to try to help the situation because I've heard so many forgive me, so many stupid things that people have been saying in response to what's gone on. Uh, I think that the, Ravi's family, that RZIM, that, that all of them are also victims of Ravi's behavior. But that doesn't mean that RZIM is completely guilt-free, as they would admit they're not in this situation. We're going to talk about that as well. Also, Scripture commands us, look, this is not um, a negotiable here. The Bible commands us to deal with people who like Ravi and Ravi's situation in the same way I'm dealing with him right now. Let me show you. First Timothy 5, 19 and 20. This has been the verse that's on my heart since I first really started thinking about this stuff. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses, scripture says. Okay, well, we have more than two or three witnesses. And of course, two or three witnesses could be a witness with evidence to corroborate. That's two witnesses, right? If rocks can be witnesses in the Bible, which they, they are in, in places, then there can be any, any sort of evidence is a witness. Well, Ravi, there are hundreds of pieces, hundreds of witnesses to what he's done. So this is this is past. We've got past verse 19. Verse 20 tells us what to do if the elder is guilty. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. And here's the thing. The presence of all would normally be a local congregation amidst a local church. But the presence of all in the situation with Ravi Zacharias is that he had endorsements, endorsements from Christian leaders around the globe who not only said that they thought he was an effective book writer, speaker, but that they thought he was a great man. They endorsed his character, right? We propped him up. This is this is seen last year after his funeral when we had endorsements from not just Vice President Mike Pence, who I don't even know how how in touch, you know, political people are with the reality of what we deal with in our lives. And so I don't know how much that mattered or not, but but endorsements from from a number of leading uh, Christian thinkers, apologists, and here's my thought. His rebuke must be as public as his endorsements and support was. That's how you can fulfill 1 Timothy 5.20. If we rebuke in the presence of all, well, here all, it represents the world. It represents the church globally. We need to do that. That's the third reason why we have to do this. The fourth reason why I'm making this video is because if we cover this up or even allow Ravi's rec reputation to stand, if we, if we just let his reputation stay intact, we continue the lie that has been propagated against the victims, and we continue the lie that has led to this great disaster we're experiencing now. So we need to not implicate ourselves through our silence. Um, I've seen a lot of foolish and horrible responses from people who think they're helping. Um, you know, it's not true. Yes, it's true. This is ind indisputable. He's dead, so leave him alone. That's that's stupid. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm angry, you guys. I'm just admitting my anger here. Forgive me if I come off wrong. Um, if you think you can't come after people who have already died, then 
what on earth was the whole what's the holocaust museum hitler died before you did that like that's wrong you can't leave hitler alone it's just in, nonsensical and irrational and not christian um if someone says oh yeah it's, uh you know you just you just don't know all the story all the details or, or jesus has grace and mercy or don't cast the first stone i'll deal with all this stuff later on what we need to do right now is we need to dig into the report because in my opinion people who who um want to understand what really happened you need to look at the report. This report, to give you the backstory, it's it's an independent investigation that was commissioned by RZIM to investigate because of outside pressures that were causing them to say, okay, um, we've been saying Robbie's innocent, we've been defending him, but there's so much pressure from outside and even from within some of the people in, in uh, RZIM were saying, we need a, a real investigation. They did the investigation a few days ago, a week ago, maybe less, they released the report. They said, hey, this is what we found. And I'm going to read it to you. This is the report of here. I'll put it on your screen. I'm not going to leave it on your screen because the text is going to be so small. It's not going to help. Uh, report of independent investigation. It's a sexual misconduct of Ravi Zacharias. February 9th is when it came out. These are the people that put it on uh, Miller and Martin. They did it and you'll learn all about it right now. I'm going to read it again. This text is going to be too small. I'm also going to give you guys some insight. Um, one, one reason why I'm going to read this report is because as I read it with the eyes of someone, I'm a, I'm a certified domestic violence counselor. I've dealt with perpetrators primarily uh, for several years, classes where I would have 12 perpetrators in the class and I would deal with them. And we, you know, basically I have a unique perspective on this report and I can help you to see some stuff that you might not notice as you read about his behavior and how systematic and how bad it is. I want to ask you guys forgiveness as I read through this. I don't, I don't have notes. I couldn't prepare. I just couldn't do it. Prepare notes. Um, so you're going to get the raw responses. Um, and I pray that it's still helpful. I have some notes for things I'll share at the end that I think are very important. I want to help people who feel like they're struggling in their faith because of this. I want to help people who are victims that have still not had a chance to talk. I want to help RZIM people um, who are totally innocent in all this stuff. You're a victim just like anybody else, uh, many of you. And I want to do all that. That's going to be at the end. But here's the report. I'm now reading and quoting from the report. On September 29th, 2020, Christianity Today published an article citing allegations by three anonymous sources that the late Ravi Zacharias sexually harassed them at two spas he co-owned. Miller and Martin, PLLC, was hired by Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, RZIM, to conduct an independent investigation into these allegations. RZIM management agreed that we would report to a committee of the RZIM board of directors. Both RZIM management and the board and the board committee confirmed that the investigation extended to any other allegations of, of sexual misconduct that might arise from our investigation. We confirmed one of the three accounts described in the Christianity Today article and found significant evidence of sexual misconduct involving additional massage therapists. We also reviewed Mr. Zacharias's electronic devices and found evidence of text and email-based relationships with women who were not his wife, as well as over 200 selfie-style photographs of women. It's worse than that, you guys. It's a lot, lot worse than that beginning intro here. But we need to get all the details. Um, here, here we go. Under the heading Scope of Investigation, they write, Though our investigation was not limited to spa allegations, 
reported in Christianity Today, we had to make judgment calls about how broadly to investigate. For example, we did not enlist resources on the ground in Asia, where Mr. Zacharias frequently traveled to locate and interview witnesses there. With over 200 massage therapist contacts in Mr. Zacharias's phones, including many overseas, we did not think it worthwhile to attempt an exhaustive survey and included um, and instead sought to speak with those we thought most likely to have relevant information or who otherwise reached out to us. At times, we received secondhand and uncorroborated information that we chose not to pursue and instead to focus on more definite leads. These were not limitations placed on us by RZIM or the board committee, but decisions that we made primarily because we found enough evidence to answer the ultimate question we were hired to investigate. We, while we limited our engagement to an investigation of sexual misconduct, we faced the issue of what of what conducts fit that description or what behaviors Ravi did that fit the thing they're supposed to investigate. They go on. Some may claim that it excludes communication that does not result in physical contact. But we spoke with many witnesses, both within and outside RZIM, who saw the question of Mr. Zacharias's alleged sexual misconduct as intertwined with allegations by a woman named Lori Ann Thompson who claimed in 2017 that Mr. Zacharias engaged in sexually explicit online conversations with her and solicited indecent photos of her. As expressed by one witness who worked closely with Mr. Zacharias, Ms. Thompson's account at least makes the spy allegations more plausible and vice versa. Many people within RZIM felt strongly that the Thompson matter, which resulted in a confidential settlement agreement, left several questions unanswered, and RZIM leadership encouraged us to include it in our investigation. This report explains our effort to investigate that matter and describe other evidence that is consistent with Ms. Thompson's allegations. Can I pause and say this? So um, Laurie Ann Thompson in 2017 sent a letter to Ravi Zacharias um, saying it was a letter of demand for payment from her husband and her for the damages he caused them in their marriage, which were extreme, extreme damages. Uh, it may or may not have been wise for them to send that letter or to approach it that way. Ravi Zacharias responded by suing them and then making them to get out of the lawsuit, uh, sign a non-disclosure agreement to silence them. He then spun a story about how it was really her husband uh, who plotted with her against Ravi to try to take him down and then embezzle money out of him or blackmail him or whatever. He actually sued them under the RICO Act for this, racketeering. So this was the story most of us believed. We all thought, Lori, I mean, me too. I read the articles back in probably 2018 or, or, or maybe 19 when I first heard this. And I read the article and I read what Ravi Zacharias said and how, how he, he just came off like this. I'm just super wonderful and innocent. She's a villain and her husband, how horrible is he? I thought he was horrible. I'm like, this man like basically pimped out his wife in order to try to sue, uh, you know, get a ministry leader into a compromising situation and then, and then get money out of him. This is what we all believed. It was all a lie. It was all a complete lie. But if Ms. Thompson had not pushed, if she had not gone public, probably this investigation never would have happened because it was it was the spot, at least not the way it did, but these spot allegations caused the investigators to say, hey, that sounds kind of like what Laurie Ann Thompson claimed against Ravi. Maybe, maybe we should look into those particular details as well. Let me read on. The scope of our engagement did not extend to RZIM finances. Possible retaliation against employees or other aspects and, and retaliation against employees is an important issue they should look into, or other aspects of the organization's culture. This report comments on some of these issues as necessary to discuss sexual misconduct, but this was not an investigation into such topics. 
Similarly, we did not find evidence that anyone with an RZIM or on its board knew that Mr. Zacharias had engaged in sexual misconduct. This doesn't mean nobody knew. It does mean, and this is good, I'm happy to hear this, that there's no evidence that they didn't know. Um, they may have been foolish or, or even in some cases there may be some bullying that went on. But I sure hope that this is the case, that further investigations reveal that nobody up at the top knew. I, I think without any doubt that the vast majority of those involved are like me. They love the Lord. They want to, they believe in Christianity. They think it's evidentially true. They want to promote that to the world and see people get saved. And they saw involvement in RZIM as a way to promote that and do that. All right, moving on. Now they talk about their methodology. This is how the investigation went, went down and took place. And then we're going to get into what are going to be the angering, infuriating uh, details. Methodology. We engaged Moeller Group International, a private investigations firm comprised of former federal law enforcement officers to assist with this investigation. Over 50 individuals were interviewed, including over a dozen massage therapists who treated Mr. Zacharias over the years and in different contexts. We attempted to interview several other therapists who either never responded or were unwilling to share their experiences with us. Some of the therapists with whom we, we spoke worked at the spas mentioned in the Christianity Today article, but most of them provided treatments to Mr. Zacharias in other locations and at different points in time. Some approached us to offer information, some were referred to by others we interviewed, and some we directly sought out. The interesting thing to point out here with this paragraph is that um, some have, have uh, criticized the Mueller group because they don't have history e examining criminal type behaviors like this, like sexual abuse type stuff. But I wouldn't give them the credit that they actually consulted with a private investigations firm, which has former law enforcement officers who are a, a federal law enforcement, which I assume are trained in this type of investigation. And hopefully that's the case. Um, there's some stuff floating around the internet I want to try to dispel as we go through this. The overwhelming majority of those we interviewed requested confidentiality and asked to have their identities kept anonymous. To encourage witnesses to speak candidly, both RZIM management and the committee of the RZIM board to which we report agreed that they would not have access to witness identities. As a result, and because most witnesses spoke to us in reliance on our assurance of confidentiality, we are not revealing names of any witnesses in this report or otherwise. And that is the right thing to do. This is good. They should not be revealing the names. People have, have, have come against this report and said, um, you know, they don't have the names. We don't know the names of these women and we can't cross-examine them and all this kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, let me speak as a DV counselor, right? Um, you are... You are a, a danger to society when you say things like that. Okay, look, this is Ann Thompson. This is what happened when she went public with this stuff. And then Ravi Zacharias, he decided to publish a post in the Christianity Today article. That, and Christianity Today, I think they're mad at him too because they were used by him as pawns to help destroy her life. This is what happened to her after an article came out where Ravi painted her and her husband as villains. To the press release issued in Christianity Today on December... <laughs> Third, 2017, it became untenable to remain in the same community. Ours, I portrayed my husband as a man who pimped his wife for a monetary gain. This was not only widely believed, it was also untenable and false. By March of 2018, we had decided to sell the home we built together at a loss and move to a smaller home at a higher cost in another city entirely. Why are they keeping the victim's names secret? 
because of how much harm was caused by the only one we know whose name we know, right? Who's out there and put her face out there and tried to deal with this stuff and confront. So yes, it's the right thing to do. Give them confidentiality, let them come forward as they like. Let me read on. In addition to reviewing numerous documents provided by RZIM and other witnesses, we hired a digital forensics vendor to image and process four mobile devices. Um, sorry, I just lost my place. Um, so the, these are mobile phones. The, these are mobile devices, mobile phones, laptops, Ravi's like personal devices. Um, and one laptop we received from RZIM, all of which were used by Mr. Zacharias at various times. The mobile devices provided the single greatest source of data about Mr. Zacharias's private activity and housed text and chat application messages, emails, recorded messages, documents, and images that sparked numerous leads. Call logs for each phone provided a useful proxy for the approximate dates when Mr. Zacharias likely used the phones. Now, there's they're going to give us the dates of the phones, uh, when they could you know, so they could examine his life in a, in a sense from what dates, okay? The dates of the phones, the first phone appears to have been in use from around February 2020 until his death in May of 2020, just last year. The second phone from July 2017 until January 2018. The third phone from July 2019 until April 2020. The fourth phone from February 2014 through October 2014. Now, here's the significant thing. Um, this next sentence, there's big gaps in his phone records, and those themselves are revealing, as we understand later. There are large significant gaps in time from which we do not have the benefit of any mobile device, including the almost three-year period from October 2014 until July 2017, during which period he communicated with Ann Thompson and possibly other individuals relevant to this investigation. There is a paper trail or an electronic uh, vacuum trail where he met Ann Thompson uh, corresponded with her, groomed her, abused her, and then finally she sent the letter, all that data's gone, right? It, once it became public, then we have records again. Um, he deleted it, he destroyed it. An obvious limitation of this investigation is that we were not able to speak with the accused as Mr. Zacharias passed away in May 2020 before the allegations regarding massage therapist surface, we do not know how he would respond to or defend against the various allegations. The conclusions we report here are based solely on conduct for which, in our judgment, there is credible evidence. We also acknowledge possible selection bias in this investigation. And we're almost done with the, um, with the preliminary stuff here. The percentage of massage therapists we interviewed who reported wrongful conduct may not reflect the percentage of massage therapists in the aggregate with whom Mr. Zacharias acted inappropriately. Our investigation may have been more likely to locate those with negative experiences. And there are likely more therapists than those whom we've interviewed who would report that Mr. Zacharias did not act inappropriately. We do not think any such selection bias is a limitation though. This is important. We assume that for a person in Mr. Zacharias's position, the relevant question is not whether he always engaged in inappropriate sexual behavior with massage therapists, but whether he ever did. And, and, and I'll be honest with you guys, the phrase inappropriate sexual behavior is a, a too soft of a term for the things that we're going to be getting into. This is systematic, abusive, um, and it's way beyond just sexual. All right, here we go. Involvement in spas. Christianity Today reported that Mr. Zacharias was involved with the Touch of Eden and Jivon Wellness spas. According to corporate records on file, the Georgia Secretary of State Touch of Eden was incorporated in 2004 with administrative 
and administratively dissolved in 2008. Jivon Wellness was incorporated in 2008, administratively dissolved in 2015. Based on witness interviews, we believe the business actually closed around 2012. The two spas operated in the same location in Alpharetta, Georgia, one forming shortly after the other closed down. This is just a particular spa where, where witnesses spoke up about Ravi. We're just confirming their its existence. It did exist. It went under two different names is what it looks like. Touch of Eden and then Javon Wellness. Let's talk about his involvement in the spa. Mr. Zacharias is not listed on incorporation documents filed with the Georgia Secretary of State for either company. And he did not appear to have any role in managing the day-to-day -day operations of the spas. He told one massage therapist that he was a silent investor in both spas and the owner... Uh, and one of the owners of Javon Wellness told us that Mr. Zacharias invested as well, but we were not able to confirm how much, if any money, he invested. Like it would be that hard to talk about these issues. There's still secrecy going on on that in that regard. You guys can, it's obvious. We understand, however, that Mr. Zacharias was involved in the con concept and opening of Javon Wellness. He had an interest in Eastern treatment and wanted to bring that influence to the spa, including designing a treatment room for specifically for Ayurvedic massage. Can I just pause and give you guys a little preview? Um, Ravi Zacharias used the ministry funds that he had. He abused ministry funds, many, 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 many thousands of dollars worth of ministry funds for RZIM, donated for the gospel. And he used some of that money to try to help pay for spas and, and, and people to get trained in spas. But really, it was all to feed his elaborate, methodical, double life as as a fraud, uh, as, as somebody who would take advantage of young women, control their lives, and do more than just touch them inappropriately. He would control the control against their lives is, is beyond that. And we'll get into those details. This is why this this spa stuff is relevant. I'll read on now. Multiple witness told us told us multiple witnesses told us that he arranged for massage therapists he met in Asia to train the Javon wellness staff in those techniques. And one told us that he tried to recruit her from Thailand to work at the spa. He had a Javon Wellness email address, and he stored the employer identification number in his phone. Mr. Zacharias told at least one witness that he intended for Javon Wellness to support RZIM's philanthropic ministry. Maybe that's just his excuse for... Really, it's there because he, he's creating his own prostitution um, system through, through um, massage therapists, using massage therapists as his targeted victims. Wellspring International, and there are notes on one of his... Um, Wellspring International was the was the ministry within RZIM that he said they were going to be using the money from these spas to help. Um, and there are notes on one of his electronic devices that are consistent with that plan. Another witness had a vague recollection that this was the initial plan as well. We did not have access to Javon Wellness's financial records, though, so we don't know whether Javon Wellness ever provided financial support to Wellspring. We're going to find a number of places in this report that show there's like there's like unchaste leads. Um, that's understandable. That's not because they abandoned responsibilities. Miller seemed like they did a good job, this Miller Martin. Um, it just means that there's more work to be done in the future, I'm sure. One of the three women who believe were sort three women who we believe, Martin and Miller, were sources for the Christianity Today article. Only of them, only one agreed to speak with us. Sorry. The information she related is included in the following section. Another declined to speak with us on the advice of her attorney. We were unable to confirm the identity of the third woman. Um, so there's some people are circling the wagons interaction with massage therapists here's some details although we were able to interview 
Only one of the massage therapists anonymously referred, referenced in the Christianity Today article, our investigation revealed other massage therapists who corroborate her account. Several massage therapists confirm Mr. Zacharias's frequent efforts to, quote, try for more than a massage, as one therapist put it. Eight therapists reported that Mr. Zacharias would start the message either completely nude, the massage, either completely nude or would remove the sheets during the massage. Six therapists report reported that he always or almost always had an erection during the massage. Four therapists reported that he would either touch his genitals or ask them to touch his genitals. And five therapists reported that he touched or rubbed them inappropriately. These are large numbers of witnesses with the same account. It means it's true. If I can trust the resurrection of Christ because of the multiple witnesses, I can trust this. Yes, the evidence is very similar. Some therapists pushed back on his behavior with some success. One reported that she would redrape him if he removed the sheets, told him, um, if he removed the sheets, excuse me, she'd redrape him, told him when she was uncomfortable and told him he would have to leave if he did not stop. One. Most probably didn't have that courage. One therapist responded to his attempts to rub her legs by moving his arms back onto the table and at times even binding his arms with sheets into a sling to keep them from wandering. She refused his frequent request to touch his genitals. Another therapist told him she did not feel comfortable and would stop him when he would rub her leg up to mid-thigh and grab her waist, which was an obvious cue, in quotes, that he wanted more. That's what she said. Another therapist also refused when he asked her to go lower. Remember that phrase, go lower. It's a phrase that Ravi wanted to know in multiple languages because of his perversion. He asked her to go lower and massage closer to his genitals, and she admonished him on several occasions when he would start touching himself. He asked the same person to travel overseas to massage him on trips, but she was not comfortable with him and was afraid she would not be able to afford a plane ticket home if she felt the need to to return early. She reported that she could see how more than a massage would have happened if a therapist did not feel comfortable speaking up and pushing back. Can I pause and say massage therapists in general? Like that is just, an, it just looks to me like that's an industry that needs to be, like structures need to be put in place so that they can't be taken advantage of. That the massage therapists themselves, like Something has to be done there that there can be this happening multiple times and years go by and and it's you, you don't have the owners, the, the other owner, right, championing, uh, dealing with and, and protecting these women. Um, it makes me angry. It makes you angry and it should. Some therapists reported even more serious and sustained sexual assaults that evolved over time. Two therapists, I, I read that sentence quickly, more serious and sustained sexual assaults that evolved over time. And evolving over time is a, is a predatory behavior of a very patient predator. And that's what Ravi Zacharias says, was. Two therapists obliged his request to masturbate him, telling one of them it was necessary because his pain was, in quotes, ligamental. While five women reported that he touched and grabbed their legs, two said he eventually went beyond that with them, rubbing their breasts and genitals. One therapist further reported that she was struggling financially. Listen to this. And Mr. Zacharias offered to help her pay for her schooling and monthly living expenses in addition to compensating her for the massages. 
See below in the discussion of Touch of Hope. We'll talk about that later. She told us that the more we saw each other, the more he became comfortable and wanted to go further. She told us she felt obligated to do what he asked because of the financial support he provided. In addition to these direct accounts, these and other witnesses claimed to know or to have heard of Mr. Zacharias's abuse or attempted abuse of other massage therapists, but we did not credit such hearsay. Um, so they, this does not include secondhand accounts. These are just more firsthand accounts. Listen, this is, this is um, not a man who has sexual impulses okay as a like as a dv counselor with a certification all that stuff and maybe that can give weight to what i'm saying here let me say this this is methodical patient behavior ravi plotted and planned and targeted women i want you to work here i will i will fly you over to work in my spa i will pay for your issues in your schools and things like that and then you'll feel obligated and i will patiently work my way up i'll try touching you a little here and the next time maybe just a little further and i will just continue to sort of gently push the envelope with you until i can normalize sexual abuse in our relationship this is methodic predatory behavior that we see in domestic violence situations it is meant to not just victimize somebody. It goes way beyond that. This behavior is meant to create a victim out of somebody. It's where you slowly and methodically massage the relationship, shall I say, until you have a victim, ongoing victim relationship with a person. So you can revisit it and revisit it and revisit it. It takes a type of depravity that goes beyond a, a, a man who has sexual impulses that he's not controlling. I read on. Only one of the witnesses we interviewed said that Mr. Zacharias engaged in sexual intercourse. The witness, the witness reported details of many encounters over a period of years that she described as rape. I'm going to read that again. The witness reported details of many encounters over a period of years that she described as rape. To protect her identity, <sighs> sorry. To protect her identity, this report does not disclose many of the details she shared with us. Some information is related below because aspects of Mr. Zacharias's behavior towards this witness were similar to his conduct with other therapists. Specifically, the use of ministry funds to provide financial support the effort to elicit personal information about a difficult past and Mr. Zacharias's use of religious language during their encounters. You're going to get more about all these details coming. I did this video live today because I thought I couldn't record it. I wouldn't be able to get through it, but if it's live, I can't stop. So <laughs> call that a self limitation. <clears throat> I read on, the witness told us that their relationship began as a normal massage therapist client relationship and she came to think of him as a father figure. He elicited information about her faith and her financial situation. She reported that after hearing, after he arranged, excuse me, after he arranged for the ministry to provide for her with financial support, 
he required sex from her. According to this witness, Mr. Zacharias used religious expressions to gain compliance. As she was raised to be a person of faith, she reported that he made her pray with him to thank God for the opportunity they both received. This is beyond anything I could have imagined when we first started hearing this stuff. I don't have words. My heart doesn't know how to respond. We have to take it on the chin because as public as his ministry was is how public his rebuke needs to be because we have to vindicate women like this by not having his books like a book on marriage still prison. Well, it still has good content, guys. We should just put it out there. But what are we doing to, to these women that are still alive right now that went through this stuff? These are these are my I have four Robbie Zacharias books. This is my trash can. And then we move on and we, we get rid of his videos and we stop promoting his stuff and we take his name off anything we have. And if it's too closely associated with him, we just, we just stop. We just end it and start over. What else is there to do? I read on. She said he called her his reward for living a life of service to God. This woman raped multiple times over years. He told her she's his reward for living a life of service to God. Is Ravi a Christian? No. I can't comprehend how to, how to reconcile that with any kind of genuine faith in Christ. I cannot even begin. He referenced to her the godly men in the Bible with more than one wife. She said he warned her not ever to speak out against him or she would be responsible for millions of souls whose salvation would be lost if his reputation was damaged. This is what abusers do um, systematically. I mean, in almost every case where there's a, a long-term abuse scenario, the abuser, the, the one in, the pow in power, in the power spot of the relationship, they're going to tell the victim that, that you know, revealing the abuse, that would be the real crime, right? The abuse isn't the real crime. It's talking about it. That's the real crime. Telling other people about the abuse, that's the real crime. So that those who are suffering abuse feel not only that they're trapped, but they feel that it's morally wrong for them to get help. That's a lie. And this is a lie we have to confront right now. Those who think, oh, you're hurting people by talking about this, Mike, your attitude propagates abuse. That, that creates the cone of silence that keeps victims in that cycle, in those relationships for years and years and years and years. No, this is, this, the, the church is light, right? Bring to light the, those things. This is, this is what we have to do. This is what we must do. And um, I've always encouraged when I've dealt with people who are suffering in difficult family scenarios, I always tell them it's not your fault, right? It's whatever happens because you tell the truth, that's not your fault. It's the person who did the, did the crime, the person who hurt you, the person who caused the harm. It's their fault, not yours. But in every abuse situation, the, the victim feels like a villain because of the fallout of them telling the truth. I read on, a number of aspects of this account involve similar behavior and escalations as the accounts of other therapists who would not have known each other and who treated Mr. Zacharias in different contexts over time. The therapist he reported targeted more than, more than a massage, excuse me, 
the therapist he reportedly targeted for more than a massage, in quotes, discussed a similar modus operandi of building their trust to make them feel at ease. Again, this is this is predatory abusive behavior. It comes off like a lot of loving kindness, like a great compassionate attitude, but it's ultimately a manipulation tactic, right? In 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 domestic violence situations, which this would be that, um, love is we, we call it love confusion, right? This is mistaken love it's presented like oodles of incredible love and compassion and this this works on a lot of people it works on us because it looks like love it imitates love it's an it, it's the it's it's the anti-love right it's just like love but for ungodly and wicked reasons and purposes um so he begins the relationship that way as one put it he wasn't frisky initially she says some therapists described a process that began with probing conversation and with him asking about their families and backgrounds, often delving deeply, delving into deeply personal issues such as financial struggles or emotionally broken backgrounds. Now, see, okay, to a, a good a good pastor or just a good human, right? This is this is what you do with someone as you're trying to like help them, aid them. You want to minister to them, so you find out what's going on in their lives. But to a predator, these are all tools that they can use to leverage control in that person's life. Let me find out about your broken past so I can I can be the solution. So you can become enmeshed with me where, where your psychology like starts to need me. It needs me to, to help you. And then I can use your dependence on me as a way of getting what I want out of you, which in his case is going to be sexual experiences. For example, I read on. One therapist reported that Mr. Zacharias spent the first half of their first massage message, massage, sorry, I keep doing that. Uh, the first half of their first massage session asking about her spiritual journey and prior abuse. This set her at ease and made her feel that he cared for her as a person before he later asked her to massage his genitals. Another woman reported that he would talk about her career plans and efforts to improve her financial situation while he was massaging her breasts. She never came forward because she thought, who would believe me against a famous Christian leader? Some therapists also reported that Mr. Zacharias paid very well or would leave large tips and gave gifts that were lavish, that at times lavish, such as a Persian rug or a Louis Vuitton wallet with $500 inside. And I wanna mention real quick, for those that are thinking, like a woman that takes money in exchange for favors, that's just prostitution. Um, sort of. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, not a, well, no, I guess you could call that prostitution. But you know what? Also, also, can I say that prostitutes, while prostitution itself is wicked, are also often victims. They may be doing a wicked thing. They might be doing something wrong, something horrible, something immoral. But at the same time, they're also very much victims involved in other situations that are going on. The abuse of, say, a, a pimp or, or other people in their lives that have led them to this. It doesn't justify what they're doing, but it gives you a different perspective. And you realize that there's measures of blame. And the, the weight measure of blame is on Ravi Zacharias in all of these relationships. Absolutely without without any doubt i read on mr zacharias also used his ministry to financially support some of his long-term therapists let's talk about his abusive ministry funds now to basically create a harem of abused women according to a description in the notes application of one of mr zacharias's phones Touch of Hope, also known as TOH, was a, quote, humanitarian effort on the part of RZIM meeting short-term needs for long-term gains. Sounds good. 
We learned it was purely dis a purely discretionary fund and no clear guidelines governing how money would be granted. We did not set out to investigate Touch of Hope in depth, but in reviewing documents provided by RZIM, we noticed that a significant portion of the wire payments from that fund went to or for the benefit of four women, all of whom were at times Mr. Zacharias's massage therapists. Touch of Hope funds paid for two of these women to attend a massage therapy school after they were already in his regular rotation of therapists despite their apparent lack of formal training or license right? Because he just thought they were attractive. And so he thought he could find a woman he wanted to abuse and he could help train her. She, she was she was submissive enough in her attitude that he could take advantage of her. And he's like, well, I'll give her more training so she could also massage me better because he just wants the best of both worlds. One recipient was a massage therapist he met around 2014 in Bangkok and with whom he appears to have had at least an emotional relationship discussed in a different section below. He used Touch of Hope to pay $40,000 for her to attend culinary school in the United States. Each of these four women received monthly support from Touch of Hope for extended periods of time. This is now, um, he's involving uh, RZIM, the ministry itself. In, in, in fact, his public ministry was helping to pay for his private pimpery. This is... And this doesn't mean that they knew. I don't, and the report, these same guys that are reporting very openly and honestly about these things suggest that nobody did know. Nobody there seems to have known. There's no evidence, they said, no evidence that anybody knew. And I thank God for that. I, I think that that would likely be the case. I think that rather Ravi built a, an area of trust where you just were don't question Ravi. And if you did question him, then you got bullied is what it looks like to me as we continue reading. And we're not even, we're just, we're still halfway through it. I'm sorry, it's long. This is, this is what happened, though. We accept as true that Mr. Zacharias has significant and at times debilitating lower back pain and that he found relief from massage therapy treatments at the hands of trained professionals. Indeed, several of the therapists we interviewed reported a normal therapist-client relationship with him and said that he was always professional. One of these therapists said that Mr. Zacharias was always fully nude for his treatments, but she was told it was a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing. Aren't we told that about sin all the time? It's just a cultural thing and necessary for treatment of his pain. Another reported that he frequently got erections during the treatment, which she said is not uncommon for male clients, which again makes me think something's wrong with the whole massage industry. There are likely other therapists who would similarly report that they did not experience inappropriate behavior. Mr. Zacharias spent much of the year on the road and typically had at least one male RZIM staff member to travel with him. Let's talk about when he traveled, because he traveled a lot, and it does factor into his lifestyle, not just in discretion, lifestyle of abusing women and ministry funds and lying through his teeth. These travel assistants that he had with him, they provided the appearance of accountability. So Mr. Zacharias could say he did not travel alone. It was never alone with a woman. Indeed, all of the travel assistants we interviewed said that they never observed anything improper. Most of them were aware, however, that Mr. Zacharias had a massage therapist who was often with him to provide treatments during his travels. He had a girl travel with him. Several RZIM staff reported to us that they were concerned. Now, listen to what happened when the staff brought this up within RZIM. 
They were concerned about Mr. Zacharias traveling with a personal masseuse, not because they feared actual impropriety or because they feared the appearance of impropriety. It was but because they feared the appearance of impropriety because they really trusted the man. The man was, was very, very, very good at getting you to believe that he was as he appeared. Okay, he was very good at that. That's why all this is so shocking. A high-level RZIM staff member expressed concerns to Mr. Zacharias about it and encouraged him to stop traveling with her. In response, Mr. Zacharias grew angry and barely spoke to this staff member for a long period of time. He was effectively sent to Siberia. As another staff member recalled, their relationship never fully recovered. And there's other, they mentioned in the footnotes here about other situations like that. When things got, when he got pushed on, Ravi would, 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 uh, would turn, right? Because now he goes into protection mode. So he had like mode where put on a smiley face, I'm perfect and innocent. And then if he, if people started poking at his private life, um, he would, there'd be no, no holds barred. We'll find out. The massage therapist who at times traveled with Mr. Zacharias was not only, not the only woman from whom he received massages during his travels. The travel assistants told us that Mr. Zacharias would often retire to his room at night and his schedule often included large chunks of time and even entire days when he was alone. So don't act like you weren't alone. A search of his phone records and text messages revealed that he would often arrange for massage treatments in his hotel room when he was likely alone. It's not hard to imagine what happened in those scenarios. According to his text messages, at times he would meet the therapist in the hotel lobby and at other times he would direct them to come straight to his room. On one occasion, in February 2016, he slipped his room key to a massage therapist by placing it in a book directing her to come to his room two minutes after she got the book from him. In addition to finding alone time when he traveled with others, Mr. Zacharias traveled alone to Bangkok and other parts of Southeast Asia for substantial periods of time. Now this is, this is crazy. He would just be alone in these other countries for long periods of time. RZIM staff described these as writing trips where he would work on his latest book. I remember hearing about Ravi saying something in a video. Um, it might have been less than a year ago. And, I, and he said something about like, oh, I go so somewhere, some other country to, to write. And I, I, I spent a whole season there writing. And it sounded like he was utterly alone in that environment. And I thought, that sounds kind of sketchy. Like, I just remember thinking at the time, it sounds kind of sketchy. I, I like, I wish, and I'm sorry to the, any victims of Ravi's that I didn't chase this down. It's not really something that I, I didn't, I didn't know that it was real or I would have done something. Um, anyway, I, I, I bear my own sense of guilt. I don't know if it's justified, if I should feel that way or not, but I feel bad that I didn't chase this stuff down. I'm sure lots of people are feeling that way right now. Um, so he travels lots of times alone. Um, we'll mention Bangkok in a minute. According to a text message to a Thai masseuse in February 2016, he spent his days writing and his nights receiving massage treatments. All of the massage therapists we interviewed now live in the U.S. and we have little insight into whether Mr. Zacharias engaged in inappropriate massage behavior when in Asia. Now listen to where his Asia apartments were. We also learned that for several years, Mr. Zacharias owned two apartments in Bangkok. Property records confirmed that he bought one of the apartments in 2010 and the other in 2011, both in a residential tower in the Klong San district of Bangkok. He told them, uh, he sold them both in 2015. The notes application of his phone contains addresses that correspond with the property records along with information about common area and maintenance fees for the two units. The notes application also reveals that between 2010 and 2014, he spent a total of 256 days in one of these apartments in Bangkok. 
Wow. And sought rent reimbursement from RZIM for those days because he's like, I'm riding during these days. The other apartment in the same building, but on a different floor, housed one of his massage therapists. An entry on Mr. Zacharias's phone for the lower floor includes his this massage therapist's initials. Okay, we're going to get to Lorianne Thompson next, but before we do that, let me say his apartments in Bangkok, where he spent 256 days in 2010-2014, are in um, within three miles of the three red light districts of Bangkok. And I think that you, you don't have to be depraved to know that Bangkok has a reputation for prostitution, underage prostitution, all kinds of horrible, wicked, sinful stuff that goes on. And he's his apartments are within three miles of that. Um, nobody's with him. Such was the trust that people had for the man. Why? Because Ravi Zacharias didn't just victimize these women. He did it to everybody he knew. It was a con, a long con. Right? I am I am just a, a wonderful, godly man, and he understood how to push those buttons. And they believed him. Let's talk about Lori Ann Thompson. As and here's the section on her in the article. As mentioned above, the scope of our investigation included allegations involving Mr. Zacharias and a Canadian woman named Lori Ann Thompson. Ms. Thompson accused him of engaging in sexually explicit online conversations with her and also, quote, soliciting and ultimately receiving many indecent photos of her. She claimed that he groomed her. That's an important word to know. He groomed her as he gained her trust as a spiritual guide, confidant, and notable Christian statesman, after which she opened up... Uh, after which she opened up her life to him to the point where he, quote, exercised a controlling influence over her as one with spiritual authority. I completely believe Lorianne Thompson. A hundred percent. I don't think she's exaggerating at all. What she says is totally consistent with these other women. And what she says is also consistent with just cycles of, of, of how a perpetrator grooms a victim. The grooming, it's called a grooming stage in domestic violence counseling. It's actually a, a relationship stage where they're never kinder, nicer, more gentle, more, more, um, heartwarming, you know, this, this is the grooming stage. That's what that is. It, the, the problem isn't that the, I mean, the grooming great if it was real, if it was sincere. But it's not. It's manipulation to get you to compromise. I'll read on here. He used this influence, he claimed, she claimed, to exploit her vulner vulnerability to satisfy his own sexual desires. While they were never physically intimate, Miss Thompson alleged, and she's right, that they engaged in an emotional relationship through electronic communication. I added the and she's right part because <laughs> she is. And that culminated in him asking for photographs of her, including nudes, which she sent, in order to avoid protracted public litigation. On April 27, 2017, the Thompson sent Mr. Zacharias a letter demanding $5 million in exchange for a release of claims against him and the ministry. Um, whether they should have sent that letter or done it that way, uh, maybe it was a mistake. Maybe maybe there was some even... Lorianne, if you're watching this, I'm not accusing you of this, I promise, or your husband. But I, I want to help people process this. So let's suppose you think that Lorianne was just in this for the money. Okay, fine. You can think that all you want. Let's suppose that her letter was, she's in it for the money. But you know what got her into it? The abuse and manipulation and deceit and uh, oppressive behavior of Ravi Zacharias. And so even if this letter from her lawyer to get paid was purely carnally motivated for money, even if that was the case, it has nothing to do with the guilt of Ravi Zacharias. What happened in response, we're going to find out though, is 
where Mr. Zacharias goes from abusing her to groom her to make her a victim to, to trying to destroy her life effectively, to try to keep her silent. In response, I read, Mr. Zacharias sued the Thompsons in federal court for extortion under the federal racketeering influence and corrupt organization RICO statute. On July 31st, 2017, the Thompsons and Mr. Zacharias mediated and confidentially resolved their disputes in late fall 2017. The resolution reportedly included a non-disclosure agreement, NDA. That means they can't talk about it. RZIM management informed us that they do not have and have not seen the NDA. And therefore, RZIM, which was not a party to that lawsuit, was not able to provide it to us. This is important. A lot of people are telling RZIM, release Lori Ann from her NDA. RZIM, the organization, doesn't have the NDA, right? It's going to be the executor of Robbie's estate. I believe that that's the person who has the NDA. They have not yet released her from it, and I think that they should. I think it's invalid anyways. I think that she has a right to speak, and you've heard her voice, and you're going to hear more of her voice today. We are not, therefore... We are therefore not in a position to evaluate the scope of the NDA or the possibility that either side may have previously violated it. So they just they just step off. Um, now, some have thought, why did Lorianne settle? Um, this is it in her own words. This is why she settled. And you'll realize how terrified they were, how scared they were, and why they signed the NDA in the first place. Consequences of trying to hold our Zed to account for his abusive and predatory behavior was that my husband and I not only endured endless interpersonal atrocities, we were also publicly and widely humiliated and vilified. When RZ sued us as victims, as alleged extortionists, my husband and I were still staggering under the weight of trauma and struggling with extensive PTSD symptoms. We were horrified and outraged, outraged and had some financial resources to use. We also had limited personal resources with which to fight an individual with as much power and virtually limited resources, unlimited, limitless resources. Excuse me. We were barely surviving is what it was. RZ reported that he had a donor who was willing to fund the full cost of litigation and that this process could take several more years. To settle with RZ out of court seemed like the only viable and indeed the only practical option. Both parties signed a non-disclosure agreement and we had no idea that he would break it almost immediately. Even when he broke it so fragrantly, we were still unable to collect ourselves enough to even think about the protracted litigation process that we were promised. Being abused costs far more. Than ever can, that can ever be properly recompensed. After signing the non-disclosure agreement, he violated it. Okay, he violated it and his violation was published on RZIM's website where his defense of himself was there plus the board put up a statement where they were like, we believe, you know, we think Ravi's innocent, da, da, da. This was supported by Christian and Missionary Alliance who, according to RZIM, this is a problem, guys, okay? RZIM has come out and they've apologized and this is good, but this is what happened. They, they said that Christian and Missionary Alliance, the group that ordained Ravi in the first place, they did a thorough investigation and found no evidence. So this was what we all believed, right? This is what happened to Lorianne after the Christianity Today article was published. Ravi defended himself, attacked her. This is what it did to her and her husband and their kids. After the press release issued in Christianity Today on December 3rd, 2017, it became untenable to remain in the same community. 
Arza portrayed my husband as a man who pimped his wife for a monetary gain. This was not only widely believed, it was also untenable and false. By March of 2018, we had decided to sell the home we built together at a loss and move to a smaller home at a higher cost in another city entirely. Now, I, I, I played that clip earlier. I want you guys to see it in the context of all this, right? Because we're reading in this in this report about what Ravi did. We, we need to understand the human cost. It's the victims that I think people forget. They're worried. I'm worried about Ravi. I'm worried about what atheists are going to say about Christianity. I'm worried about what if Christians are going to stumble because of what Ravi did. I think our initial concern has to be for the victims because we're talking about the things that he did to real people. Let me read on in the report. Nevertheless, the Thompson matter was relevant to our investigation for at least three reasons. One, although we were unable to investigate Ms. Thompson's allegations because of the NDA, other witnesses interviewed for this investigation recounted similar conduct by Mr. Zacharias that is consistent with some of Ms. Thompson's allegations. Two, because Ms. Mr. Zacharias was unable to convince members, excuse me, was able to convince members of the RZIM board and management that he was the victim of extortionists RZIM did not investigate the allegations. Again, they, they said an investigation took place through Christian Missionary Alliance. Um, that was exaggerated. Uh, what happened there was exaggerated. It was not accurate. They did some kind of investigation. They didn't really. Ravi refused to give the emails. We'll find out in a minute. He refused to give the emails of the correspondence with him and Lori Ann, even though he had them. He refused to give them up, threatened to resign from RZIM because he's a bully um, when it comes down to it. A full investigation might have uncovered evidence of misconduct at a time when Mr. Zacharias was alive to explain himself. Number three, Mr. Zacharias's response to the Thompson allegations, including explanations of his emails with the Miss Thompson uh, that surfaced on the internet, raised questions about his credibility. We interviewed witnesses within RZIM who were not satisfied with Mr. Zacharias's explanations, and some reported their belief that they were being uh, that they were marginalized for raising questions. Because obviously, you're, you're trying to like punch a hole in the ship, is the idea. We were told that Mr. Zacharias's lead counsel compiled a notebook of evidence related to the Thompson allegations and that it was made available for review by an RZIM board member and an RZIM public relations consultant. We asked, the, that, uh, we asked that law firm if we could review this notebook and received no substantive response. On at least one occasion, when someone within RZIM questioned Mr. Zacharias about the Thompson allegations, he responded in substance that he had provided all of his devices to his attorneys and they agreed he did nothing wrong, which is not true at all. Um, none of those statements were true. He didn't provide all of his devices um, and they're his attorneys. His attorneys. That means nothing. Based on these accounts, we wanted to know if Mr. Zacharias's personal attorneys obtained mobile devices that he used. As outlined above, there are time gaps in the phones provided to us for this investigation. Whether the data on those phones was extracted, reviewed, or preserved, and whether those devices contain information that would support Ms. Thompson's allegations and communications with other women, like those we found on the phones Mr. Zacharias used before and after the time of his communication with Ms. Thompson. Um, yeah, the records for that time are just, they don't, they don't exist. Because both the notebook and the devices could contain evidence related to this investigation, we asked the executrix of Mr. Zacharias's estate through her counsel to cooperate with the investigation by authorizing Mr. Zacharias's former counsel to give in, give access give us access to their file. The executrix design, declined this request. 
We also asked both the Executrix and the Thompsons through their respective council to agree to modify the NDA to allow us to speak to the Thompsons and otherwise investigate this matter. The Thompsons would agree to speak with us only if they were fully released from the confidentiality, lest they fear a lawsuit or something, obligations in the settlement agreement. The Executrix declined to release the confidentiality obligations in whole or in part for any reason. We have reviewed the evidence and the communications that are publicly available and some documents provided to us by witnesses, but because we did not have access to the primary evidence that would, al would have allowed us to reach meaningful conclusions, we cannot conclusively say whether Mr. Zacharias solicited nude or any other photographs of Ms. Thompson. However, we found significant evidence of Mr. Zacharias' electronic devices that are probative of her allegations discussed below. We're going to talk now about... You didn't think it could get worse? Here it comes. We're going to talk now about the images and the stuff they found on his phones. Specific quotes, statements directly from RZ himself, from Ravi Zacharias, so you can understand exactly what was going on. There'll be things he typed, he wrote to people. Um, may I say, Lorianne Thompson is 100% right. She needs to be vindicated. Um, this report does that, but not in as direct a fashion as we would like, because they're trying to limit their statements to what they were able to, to read and research. Lorianne needs to be released from this NDA. This does need to happen from whoever is in control of Ravi Zacharias's trust. The executrix tricks need, does need. You got to do this. You got to do this because there's a victim that continues to suffer, um, and you've got to help. All right, here we go. Communications with and images of other women. Witnesses told us that Mr. Zacharias had multiple phones and email addresses over time, and he had at least two phones at any given time. He insisted on remaining separate from official RZIM communication platforms. Now we're going to get to see how elaborate his lies were. And if you if you saw it all at once, you'd know clearly what it is. But let me say this, lest I forget to say it later. Um, when people within RZIM who just believed Ravi, they just believed he was honest, and then they defended him, and they caused harm by defending him, they're victims too. They didn't know. They, they, they got suckered by him and then defended him. If his family is standing by him going, but that's my, my friend or my dad or my, my husband, and they want to stand by him, it's because they're continuing to suffer the victimization of, of the deceit, the wool he pulled over even their eyes. And so I don't want to get mad at any of them. I just I want to recognize that the responsibility for this falls on one man, ultimately. That doesn't mean there's no responsibility for others. In fact, right now, people have responsibility to deal with what's going on and what what is known even with even within Robbie's family I'm so sorry look I hate that I'm talking about your father your 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 friend your 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 husband your grandfather I'm so sorry but we have to be honest about these things and we can't, what he did was he used people's love for him to manipulate them into defending him wrongly and we can't let that continue let me read now about his his uh, communications he used private email addresses. Uh, oh, his phones were on a separate plan than, than RZIM. Um, he used private email addresses rather than an RZIM account. And while at RZIM headquarters, he used a public wireless access rather than RZIM's virtual private network. He claimed this was for security reasons. That makes no sense. Public wireless is not more secure than your private virtual network. But the end result was that no one at RZIM would have had administrative access to his devices or email communications. He also used encrypted communication platforms, including BlackBerry Messenger and WhatsApp, from which messages are not retrievable once deleted. The four phones that Mr. Zacharias used and that RZIM provided to us for this investigation also provided significant 
compelling evidence. For example, in the notes application of one of his phones, Mr. Zacharias kept translations of certain words and phrases in Thai and Mandarin. The Thai phrases, this, this, these are the things he wanted to know how to say in Thai and Mandarin. The Thai phrases include, I miss you so much, I want to see your face, and the phrase, a little bit further. Remember the massage therapist saying that Ravi would tell them, go lower? He wanted to be able to say that in Thai. The Mandarin phrases included softer, lighter, or you're beautiful, or not enough, or I hope our love lasts forever, or I love you from the bottom of my heart, or I'd like to have a beautiful memory with you, or life is so wonderful because I could meet you, or your lips are especially beautiful. And I love you, darling. Those are the Mandarin phrases. Ravi wanted to know how to say that in Mandarin. The phones also contained communications with and photographs of women who were not his wife as detailed below. Now in, under the heading Amorous Communications and Relationships, the, the uh, report says this. Mr. Zacharias had extended communications with women over the years. Some of his communications was innocuous and professional. Some was more personal. While our review of Mr. Zacharias's communications revealed that he often gave compliments and used terms of endearment such as dear and sweetheart in, a com in completely innocent ways, we found communications that in our view defy characterization as innocent. Why are they bringing up the possibility that Ravi Zacharias was innocent? Well, in a footnote below all this in the report, they say, hey, a lot of the people we talked to at RZIM, they were under the impression that Ravi, when he did things that seemed slightly inappropriate, he was just, he was just so pure and innocent that he didn't mean it that way. He's like, oh, he calls everybody sweetheart. He's not flirting, it's none of that. But they included these direct quotes so you would realize there's no way on earth there's any innocence related to these things. In September 2014, he exchanged emails and photographs with a woman who lived in Seoul, Korea. He bought her a necklace and quote, wished that he could put around her neck personally, saying the necklace, quote, comes from my heart to be around your heart. He asked her to take a photograph of herself with the necklace on. He also wrote, quote, may I say to you, you are beautiful, just so beautiful. I cannot help but miss you even more after seeing your picture. It brings a tear of longing in my eyes, longing to see you again. Meeting her on the flight, he said, quote, has changed my life forever. He later sent her a picture of himself. What he did was quickly on a flight, on a flight, it changed his life. He just saw a girl and thought, I lust after her. Let me see if she can be a target of one of my long cons where I slowly take more and more control over her life. Also in 2014, Mr. Zacharias met and exchanged emails with a massage therapist who lived in Bangkok. They used pet names such as, quote, I'll use my fingers as quotes here, guys, sweetheart, baby, babe, darling, angel, my precious little girl, and honey. They exchanged selfies. The latest photograph from her is from 2019. And they discussed how much they loved and missed each other. During a May 2014 coup d'etat in Thailand, Thailand. So they had a, a, at least five-year relationship, right? At least the latest was 2019, five years, 2014 to 19. Well, in 2014, there was a coup d'etat in Thailand. Mr. Zacharias expressed his worry to tra that travel to Bangkok could be stopped. He told her, I know more than ever that you've become the love of my life. I'm waiting to hold you close to my heart again. Please be safe, my angel. 
I love you and good night from here. He told her to keep him, quote, as the only one in your heart. I love you, my dearest. Those should be words for your wife. Their communications imply that their relationship had a physical component. Apparently she's not, she hasn't been interviewed, right? Um, they discussed not being able to wait until they can, can be together. That is, he is longing to hold her close again. He further wrote, your face, your smile, your laugh, your touch, the way you love, your hard work, your heart, your care for me, your skill, and on and on and on, end quote. He called her, quote, beautiful in heart and in body. She responded and she said, quote, I love you and kiss you everywhere. She told him she was going to work out, quote, to be fit and firm when I see you next month. This woman received significant financial support from Touch of Hope. That is the RZIM discretionary fund that looks like it didn't have oversight. Robbie was able to just have checks sent to her. She's part of his harem, supported uh, through donations to RZIM. I think the majority of what RZIM has done has always been fantastic and wonderful. But the fact that this happened is crazy. All of these communications were maintained on a phone that Mr. Zacharias used before he met Lorianne Thompson. The phones he used after the Thompson matter contained images, discussed below, but few amorous communications. There were also several photographs that appear to have been delivered through the WhatsApp encrypted application, according to metadata, but there were no WhatsApp conversations preserved on the phone. Mr. Zacharias may have been more careful in deleting incriminating texts, emails, and encrypted communications after the Thompson matter. No duh, right? Obviously, he, he got so close to being caught, um, he had to do everything in his power to stop this. And after that, he got more careful about covering his tracks. Now, in a section called Photographs, this is what the investigative report says. In addition to communications, Mr. Zacharias's phone contained over 200 photographs of women much younger than him, including six of Lori Ann Thompson. That is, he still had images of her. I'm sorry, Lorian. And dozens of photographs he took of himself. For some of these women, he had only one or two pictures. However, some women appeared in numerous photographs over time. Among the more significant collections of photographs are 17 images of the young Thai woman who appears to be in her mid 20s described in the previous section that were taken between February 2nd, 2014 and November 1st, 2019. Years long. Images of young Indian women who appear to be, uh, excuse me, images, 43 images of a young Indian woman who appears to be in her early 20s taken between November 9th, 2017 and November 8th, 2018. 42 images of a blonde woman who appears to be in her mid-30s and appears to work at a spa or salon taken between February 8, 2018 and February 12, 2020. And 52 images and four videos of a young Malaysian woman who appears to be in her early 20s taken between August 20, 2017 and June 2, 2019. I want you to notice that one of the most recent ones was February 12, 2020. Um, that was just three months before Ravi passed away. He's got images of this woman being sent to him. Did Ravi repent? 
No. I mean, there's absolutely all the evidence says, no, he did not repent. I don't have any, I have every reason to think he did not repent um, for those who are trying to float that as a possibility here. I wish he had. It would be beautiful and wonderful if he'd just been totally broken and repented. I think the grace of God would be there for him. I do. I think God's grace is that big. But God's grace is not permission. No. It is worth noting again that there are substantial periods of time for which we have no phones to review, including the almost three-year gap between October 2014 and July 2017. In the majority of these photographs, the women are fully clothed and posing as anyone would for a selfie. We found six photographs of a clothed Miss Thompson taken between February 14th, 2016 and February 26th, 2016 on a BlackBerry device Mr. Zacharias used between July 2017 and January 2018. In some, though, different women are kissing for the camera or otherwise suggestively posed. And one set contained nude images of a young Malaysian salon employee. The earliest picture of her is dated August 20th, 2017, and shows her standing in the lobby of a salon with Mr. Zacharias and another man. Travel records confirm that Mr. Zacharias was in Malaysia at that time. Over time, more pictures of this woman appear in Mr. Zacharias's phone, most of which were relatively innocuous to show and show her fully clothed. However, the photographs grew increasingly more suggestive, right? Because he gets his hook into her over time. And he asks, can I get, can you bring your brows a little lower in the next picture? And eventually he, it says, culminating in two photographs showing her bare breasts dated October 27th, 2018, and a video of her fully naked and touching herself dated January 8th, 2019. Two other women told us that Mr. Zacharias asked for nude photographs, which they refused to provide. We're getting close to the end, you guys. Mr. Zacharias' statement. While we do not know how Mr. Zacharias would respond to the newer allegations of sexual misconduct, we did consider his statement and actions when confronted with similar situations in the past, most notably the Thompson matter. Several RZIM staff reported to us his shifting narrative as emails and other relevant facts were publicly leaked and he was forced to explain them. Rather than fostering an environment of truth-seeking and transparency, Mr. Zacharias was strident and inflammatory. He described his critics as nasty people and lunatics who were engaged in satanic type behavior, behavior, slander, and falsehood. Some RZIM staff told us that he expressed frustration with having to issue an apology at all. He was able to convince many that not only was he innocent, he was the victim of malicious evil. At an all-staff virtual meeting in January 2018, after the significant details of the Thompson communications had been made public, Mr. Zacharias offered explanations that many staff members found nonsensical. But some staff members reported to us that when they expressed doubts about Mr. Zacharias' story, they were ignored, marginalized, and accused of disloyalty. And can I say this? You guys, look, this is just the reality. There was enough evidence out there um, that in 2017, Mr. Zacharias, <laughs> Ravi should have been caught. There was enough evidence out there. It should have happened. Uh, emails from him. I didn't look into this at the time, but emails from him were leaked online where he threatens to kill himself if she'll tell her husband. And yet the official report, his official story is her and her husband plotted against him in order to get into in order to extort him. Yet she says, I'm going to tell my husband about this. And Robbie threatens to kill himself in the emails. I didn't know that those were real emails at the time. I didn't know. Um, I, I, I wish I had done more as I'm sure so many people do. Um, so sad. Something's wrong. 
that he was able to get away with it. Something wrong, was wrong inside RZIM, and they admit it. They admit it even now. Their, their current apology says, hey, guys, we know something is wrong here, and we're, we're looking into it. Like, we're actually hiring people to come in and examine our sort of, like, uh, our, our culture, our corporate culture, and figure out how we enabled this kind of abuse. We'll talk a little bit about that right at the end uh, as well. Um, we also have the benefit of a public statement Mr. Zacharias made on December 3rd, 2017, after the Thompson matter settled. The statement includes claims that are misleading or false. He admitted that he, quote, should not have engaged in ongoing communication with a woman who was not his wife. But Lorianne Thompson was neither the first nor last instance of him doing so. Nor was Miss Thompson the only woman from whom he received photographs. Indeed, approximately three weeks after filing his RICO lawsuit against her, right, he appeared in a photograph with the Malaysian woman who sent him over 50 photographs over the next year, including nudes. He received a photograph from her. You guys know what this means? There was not a moment of repentance. It was deliberate targeting of a victim to silence her. No matter how much it ruined her life. He received a photograph from her to the, the, the very next day after releasing this December 3rd, 2017 statement. While he told his staff that his real mistake in the Thompson matter was not altering, uh, alerting someone that he was receiving photographs of another woman, uh, which he says he didn't want. We have no indication that he ever went to RZI management or its board on the more than 200 occasions when he received photographs of women during and after the Thompson matter. He further claimed, and here's a quote from Ravi Zacharias's defense. He said, in my 45 years of marriage or of, of marriage to Margie or Margie, I don't know the right pronunciation there. So in my 45 years of marriage to Margie, I have never engaged in any inappropriate behavior of any kind. He said this, he was very adamant about this. He spoke of his own piety very highly in his defense uh, that, that ended up damaging Lorianne Thompson's reputation. Much of the inappropriate massage therapy behavior discussed above occurred prior to the Thompson matter. And Mr. Zacharias's lengthy text and email communications with a massage therapist from Bangkok, whose culinary schooling he arranged for through RZIM and whom he called the love of his life, that occurred in 2014, not 2017 when he wrote this thing about how innocent he was. And I read on his claim that he had long made it his practice not to be alone with a woman other than Margie and our daughters was similarly false. He did everything to give the appearance that he didn't do that. It was just a deception. It was an elaborate deception. I read on as reported above, Mr. Zacharias's inappropriate conduct often occurred when he was alone with massage therapists because his need for massage treatments was well known and accepted. Indeed, I remember hearing him talk about it at some point. He was able to hide his misconduct in plain sight. He further stated that after reflection, he learned that the physical safeguards he had long, and this is quotes from him, long practiced to protect my integrity should have extended to include digital communication safeguards. As the architect of those physical safeguards, Mr. Zacharias knew well how to elude them. And here's our concluding paragraph, and then I'm going to give you guys some thoughts and answer some questions you might have, at least some things that I think need to be answered. Conclusion. Our investigation was limited to Mr. Zacharias's sexual misconduct. And even as to that issue, it was not exhaustive. We acknowledge that we have not spoken to all individuals who may have relevant information to provide. We strive to balance the need for completeness with the need for expediency. And we are confident that we uncovered sufficient evidence to conclude that Mr. Zacharias engaged in sexual misconduct. I've linked this article below. If you guys are interested in it, you can read the entire article yourself. I would say it goes way beyond sexual misconduct. This is such a, a, a soft way of saying it. Mr. Mr. Zacharias, Ravi Zacharias, was a fraud, not a flawed man. He was a, he was a fraud. It, the, the fact that he re, turns religious 
to help his oppressive behavior to these women is just proof that he's a fraud. How do you know? Like, hold on, let me dig out of the trash one of his books. Remember how he says, like, you know, you're my you're my one, you know, godly men of old had many, many women. This is Ravi Zacharias's book, Isaac, I take I, Isaac, take thee, Rebecca. It's supposed to be about romance. First and foremost, do not even flirt with the idea that there may have been someone better out there or someone else with whom you may connect better. Infidelities are all not always physical. Emotional vagaries of the mind can be equally dangerous to the health of one's marriage. Mind games can bring bigger losses than imagined and should be stifled early. Receiving the partner as a gift from God, warts and all, is a commitment with which one begins. The hard thing about this is that both of you need to deeply believe this. One person alone on the path of unconditional love can find it terribly exhausting. A sincere soul searching is the most important step when trouble looms large. Affairs often begin because one person finds someone else he or she relates to better and with whom she or he or she experiences more intimacy or warmth without all the burdens of carrying a family. He, he didn't believe that. He said the exact opposite to the women who he said were his reward for living a godly life and having an impact, who he threatened that millions of souls, well, the millions of souls are not going to lose their salvation, Ravi, because of you. I think you don't have salvation because of you. It's the saddest, most horrific thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see how. Okay, let me, let me move forward and talk about how people are reacting to this Robbie situation and maybe some advice, some thoughts to help us. I'm not going to give you the perfect response, but I'm going to try to help. Some people, their focus is on Ravi. I think that's a big mistake. Yes, Ravi is the thing where <clears throat> that's bringing all these issues up, but what we should do is realize what he did so our focus can be on the victims. The victims need <clears throat> need vindication. They need to be vindicated, like Lorianne Thompson, her husband, to be as publicly vindicated as innocent as, as much as they were publicly maligned as guilty. Um, they need permission to come forward. Um, I support you if you're a victim of Ravi Zacharias's manipulations. You might feel like maybe I brought it on. Maybe I took a a, a man and I fed into his weaknesses because I was just I oh I, maybe it's my fault and like you know you may have had fault. Maybe there's things you need to repent of in that relationship. But know this that he was the the oppressor, the the aggressor, and he was the one engineering, manipulating you for that. And I support you. We have to have space for real victims to be defended in. Our culture right now. In fact, I'm looking for a contact. In, you know, somebody who a victim of Ravi can contact. When I get this info, I will put it in the video description down below. Like I will change, and I will add uh, something, an email, or phone number, or an institution who someone who I think you can safely contact. For now, I would say, um, start with uh, somebody who you know will fight on your side and who is not. Their neck isn't on the line if they open up about this issue, right? They're not going to get fired because they're going to be honest about it. That you don't want to go to that person. Um, so we need to be thinking about the victims, but those who think about Ravi, they respond this way. Some of them, some of them, David sinned, Mike David sinned. Ravi had a sinful, if you can't tell the difference between David and Bathsheba, where David repented and then the nation was thrown into war and there was all kinds of suffering as a result, but then he was forgiven and there was restoration. That is not this situation at all, right? Because Ravi has not repented. Ravi lied up until his death. In a previous statement from the board of directors, they said that Ravi maintained his innocence to the point of his death. And so, in other words, he perpetuated his, his villainy all the way to the point of his death. Some would say, Mike, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. Can I just say, um, that's not at all what that scripture should be talking about to you. If, I mean, I'm not going to throw stones at him. I promise. I promise. I won't. But 
you realize this is to say let him who's without sin cast the first stone this is like saying you can't ever convict anybody of anything to to take it like that out of context and abuse the the text like that first uh, timothy 5 20 it demands that we publicly rebuke the leader as public as their leadership was this is this is the demand that the rest may fear that you may fear that i may fear knowing that i too one day my issues will be put right up there in front of the world that the church isn't going to tolerate leaders who are like this this is this is important the church cannot tolerate these kinds of things um some would say ravi can't defend himself how could these things come out after he's dead and i've seen this comment a number of times it's weird that this only comes out after he's dead and can't defend himself and i just want to say you have no idea what you're talking about the reason why it only came out after he couldn't defend himself because now he can't defend himself like this is it the reason why this has gone public and this is unstoppable is because he's not able to take the massive resources and the faith people have in him to push and and basically militarize all of his supporters against other people who might be trying to tell the truth first timothy 5 24 it tells us this and i'm going to quote the scripture for those who think this shouldn't happen because it's after ravi died it says the sins of some men are quite evident going before them to judgment for others their sins follow after that's right some people we don't find out until after they die that's what scripture says if that defense works you can't tell you can't talk about people after they die then then the gospel writers have sinned against judas by telling us what he did that they didn't know about until after he had died right because that's a stupid thing to say <laughs> so um another person might say this is gossip this is gossip no um, and I'm not going to do a whole long thing on what gossip is and isn't. All I'm going to say is like, you can use the word gossip to limit all speech you don't like. Anything you don't like becomes gossip. That's what this becomes. There's a biblical mandate to talk about this. And so it's not gossip. Yeah. And others would say all sin is the same. All sin is the same. My sin, your sin, all of our sin is identical. And for that, I have literally, there's a video I'm going to put down below about all sin being the same. I don't think it's there yet. I'm sorry. And all sin is not the same, not biblically, not at all. That is not a biblical teaching. All sin is, it brings death. That's true. All sin is horrible. That's absolutely true. All sin is the same. That's totally false. And it's and it's a, a very dangerous perspective to have. If you want to tell me that um, wrongly suing the victim of my, of my abuse is the same as me, like, I don't know, jaywalking, then you're not, you, you do not have a Christian worldview about sin. There's something you're neglecting. I'm going to put that link down below for those who need to hear that video. Some of us also were worried, rightly worried, not about Ravi, but about Ravi's family. Okay. Ravi's family. As I said earlier, I'm terribly, terribly sorry to his family. Like I'm really sorry. I'm my heart breaks. I have to make this content right now. Um, it's not your fault, right? Unless you did, obviously, unless you did something I don't know about <laughs> to cause it. Um, it's not your fault. I think most likely the, the, he leveraged your love for him to help cover up sins that he was committing and he's doing it now too perhaps you're maybe mad at me for exposing it and that anger eventually eventually you're going to slowly turn that anger towards him i know you are because eventually you just can't help it to see it for what it is at that point i just want to encourage you we love you we care about you we don't hold this against you it's it's, it's the reality of sin. It's the reality of life. It's a terrible, terrible tragedy. And um, I would, I'd embrace you, give you a hug and, and I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You're, you're, you're a victim too. 
you're a victim too. But I would encourage you this. Don't blame the people exposing Ravi. Don't get mad at Lorianne Thompson because she brought light to this. Don't get mad at the atheist. Steve, I'm so sorry, Steve. I don't remember your last name. Bogman or, or I can't remember right now. But he, for years, has been trying to like deal with Ravi. I thought this was like some just guy who just had an axe to grind. And, and it was after all this stuff came out that I'm like, oh my goodness. Like this is like the... He, maybe he does just have an axe to grind, but maybe and maybe that was the thing that caused him to to run with this early on. But we should be thanking these people, thanking them. Thank you, thank you, atheist Steve, for for helping get this stuff out into the light and pushing on it at the right time and when it was most needed, right when nobody was talking about it, and they needed to know about it. And I'm um, I'm grateful, and you should be grateful too if you're Robbie's family. These people. The exposer does not bear the guilt of the perpetrator. This is a rule of life. The one who exposes is not does not bear the guilt of the perpetrator, and you need to apply this to those people. Other people overreact, um, and this is something I'm actually pretty concerned about. I think this is going to happen, and whatever I say next won't stop it from happening, but let me talk about it. You can't hardly overreact to Ravi Zacharias, but you can overreact to other people because of Ravi Zacharias. I could overreact to all kinds of people. I could think... All the speakers of RZIM are shallow and they're frauds. I don't think that's true at all. I think that is naive. I think that's foolish, right? Like if you thought a speaker for RZIM must be a great guy because you think Ravi's a great guy, that would have been dumb. And to think they're terrible because he was terrible, that's equally dumb. This is not This is naivety. This is the same naivety that causes us to not notice a predator. It's causing us to cause to call everyone a predator. That's dangerous. It's naive. And may I add this, if you think all pastors are frauds, all leaders are frauds, all Christians are compromised, all churches are just about money. If you think this, you are just as naive as the person who thinks none of them are. That's just not true. Not remotely true. Like, it's, I mean, I could tell you all day it's not true for me. Oh, that's not true for my heart. And I could give you all these things about defending myself, but that's not really the point. I don't want you to think like Mike's okay. Really, most people serving in ministry are doing it for the right motives. That's my own personal experience. Now, sometimes years down the road, motives shift and change and sin starts to get in and that does happen. Um, but I think that generally speaking, we can think positive things about leaders and churches and all that, generally speaking. And for those who are part of RZIM, the organization, I want to have an, I want to extend something to you. If you are looking because maybe, I don't know what your future looks like. If you're a speaker with RZIM in particular, if you want to pivot to YouTube or pivot to social media, if you're trying to figure out how to do that because you, you are no longer going to be with RZIM, if that's going to happen, please contact me. I will offer you free help, uh, advice, that kind of thing to help you because I see you as a victim in this scenario as well. So contact me on BibleThinkerApologetics at gmail.com. This email is not for the mass public. If you email me here, you got to go to biblethinker.org if you want to try to contact us. We get so many messages like we just can't, we have to start filtering them or else we, we, we're going to die. <laughs> so, um, But for those who are part of our ZIM and you think that maybe I could help you pivot to something else, I want you to contact me on biblethinkerapologetics at gmail.com. Uh, please do that. Overreacting, yeah, let's not do that. Um, that's going to happen. Uh, this is going to be projected. Every every board of every church has problems. Every pastor is an issue. Every, we should be highly suspicious of all Christian leaders. This is to just become another victim of Ravi Zacharias. This is not true. These things are not true. Um, what about believers? Believers who were ministered to greatly by Ravi Zacharias and their lives have been really rocked with this information. Because in my life, Ravi did not change my life. Uh, personally, I didn't 
listen to his teachings very much, his his messages. I didn't really listen very much. It wasn't my style. And I just, I didn't find it especially appealing, but I found it like, I saw how many other people had helped. And I always wondered like, what am I missing here? That so many people like Ravi's stuff. <laughs> I must be, something must be wrong with my head. But that that's me. What about those who were like, dude, I wouldn't have come to the Lord if I hadn't picked up Ravi's book. I don't, I don't think my life I ever would have come to Christ if I hadn't gone and heard his, his message at this event or this YouTube video or that kind of thing. Let me help you. Please let me help you with this. It's a weird comparison, but I think it's accurate. There are Christians in the first century who were baptized, who heard the gospel preached to them, who had a demon cast out of them by Judas Iscariot. And after Judas fell the way he did, I think that they would have struggled too. Can you imagine? Like, I believe in Jesus, like he rose and all that, I, but but I was baptized by Judas. Does that even count? <laughs> like, I heard the gospel from Judas. I thought Judas was, he was the guy who was teaching me all these things, not Jesus, it was Judas. And I can imagine them going through the same kind of turmoil. This has happened a million times throughout history. You've just caught yourself in the middle of one of those events where there's a great leader, apparently great, appearing great, who brings truths. I mean, the gospel Jesus, J Judas taught was true. It was really the right truth about things. The message he brought about Jesus was right and true. It was Judas that was false. But because your belief and your faith depends on the message being true, it doesn't depend on the messenger being good. I mean, dude, that messenger needs to be good. Okay, this is very important. But the truth of the message doesn't depend on that. The message is true regardless. Christianity is a factual religion, right? It's based upon the facts of reality. Jesus really did die and rise for your sins. He really did pay the price for you. God truly loves you. And Ravi came and told you about those things and you believed, right? But that Ravi was optional and, and now we need to get him off the scene. But your faith and your trust need to be in Christ, not in Ravi. And this is why for me, I don't know of any leader that would fall that would cause me to doubt my faith, to be honest. I, I hope not. I hope that's not the case because my faith isn't in any of those leaders. It's in the facts of the matter, right? And it's in the true person of Christ. If you show me that Jesus wasn't who I thought he was, that would destroy me, right? But, but yeah, um, in Matthew 23, Jesus says this about the Pharisees. And, and, and think about this in relation to Ravi. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. And therefore, all that they tell you to do, do and observe. But do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. I would argue that his book on romance has probably got tons of great information in it. But Ravi's life was the opposite of that. You could follow the material and it would bless you. And that's okay. But the reason why we can't continue to follow the material is because there are ongoing victims and we, we need to separate the church from this, this, this man's name. We got to separate ourselves from it. So yes, stop promoting his books and videos, please. It may not matter to you. That's not the point. It matters is the point. Um, let me talk to non-believers here for a second. There are, there are a few non-believers that are going to use. Now, I'm not scared of this, okay? There are non-believers that are going to use the, this, this tragedy um, to, try to, to try to say, some non-believers, not all of them, of course, to try to say that this proves Christianity is fake, Christianity is false. I think that's silly. We never based the truth of Christianity on the character of Ravi Zacharias. And if you want to do that, like if it's going to be based on godly character, I just have to find a godly guy that's a Christian and boom, Christianity is true. Like and in a, in a situation like that, I just want to say the godly guy is Jesus, by the way. That's 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 who you should be looking at. Uh, the truth of it's not based on Ravi. So it's just, it's weird. It's just weird. Christianity actually expects people like Ravi to show up. 
Jesus warned us about tares amongst the wheat. He warned us, uh, Paul warned us about people who suppose godliness is means of gain. And so they manipulate people and they take advantage of people. But Paul still said he rejoiced that the gospel was preached, even if it was through selfish and bad motives. He was still happy it was preached. Why? Because a gospel preached from a wicked man for wicked motives is still the gospel and people still get saved. Because it's not that man that does anything. It's the Holy Spirit that saves a person's life, regenerates them, changes them. So non-believers might use that. Um, I, I don't think it's relevant to anything. Yeah. What about RZIM? RZIM, the organization, not the people, not the individuals. I think most of them are super sincere. They love the Lord. Oh my goodness. Like I'm so, my heart breaks for you guys. But the organization, something was wrong. Something was wrong. Listen to this. This You can't find this on the internet anymore. You have to use like the Wayback Machine to find it. But this is a statement from RZIM that was on their on their website in 2020. Right after the death of Robbie, this is stuff they said. This matter was independently and rigorous. This is about Lori Ann Thompson. This matter was independently and rigorously investigated in 2018 at the initiative of the denomination that issued Robbie's ministerial credentials, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. That investigation included multiple interviews with the parties and a review of all available documents and records. The denomination concluded the available evidence does not provide a basis for formal discipline. Also, since his death in May, allegations by Mrs. Thompson against Ravi have resurfaced in the public domain. This prompted calls for RZIM and or the Zacharias family to conduct further investigations into this matter. I don't know what and or is supposed to mean there. Which one is it? In light of these developments, we, the board of RZIM, have reviewed the matter again and conclude the following. Ravi Zacharias was never physically alone with Miss Thompson, Mrs. Thompson, nor did he send her photos of himself. There's no evidence that he solicited photos of her. Yes, there is. Right? Talk to Lori. Get get look at the emails. There's no evidence that he solicited photos of her, an allegation Ravi vehemently denied in his public statement in December 2017. Furthermore, no evidence to the contrary has ever been presented. That was not true. There was no independent, rigorous investigation where they interviewed all the witnesses and looked at all the available available evidence. There's a squirrely word, available. Ravi, can we see your emails? No, they're not available. Well, we looked at all the available evidence. This is deceptive. This was on the RZIM website. This is what was propagated in September of 2020. This is why people have resigned from RZIM. This is why RZIM's UK branch, they have another group in UK, they've broke off. They said, we're separate. We're not associated with you anymore. We're changing our name. We're not satisfied with your response. Now today, today, there's a statement of repentance and it's very apologetic. And Robbie's uh, RZIM, the ministry, they take we take responsibility. We apologize to Lori Ann Thompson. We're so sorry. We're going to look at our structure and figure out what's wrong. We stand as a warning. I mean, these are their words. We stand as a warning to you of how not to do this. What's hard for us to know is whether that is part of a PR campaign or if it's real. And only time will tell. I hope it's real. Okay. But we don't even know who the board members of RZM, RZIM are or what they knew or where people went wrong. And I don't need to know all those things, but I can't trust the, the, the highest echelons of the, of the leadership of RZIM without knowing those things. So I don't need to know, but I, all I can do now is wait, okay? Uh, this video is gonna be dated in a month as far as this part, this section of it. This info is, is gonna be dated in a month. In a month, in two months, in six months, we're gonna know a lot more. We can respond accurately then. Maybe we'll change our tune. Maybe we'll be, con be very condemning of things or maybe we'll be very understanding. Like, oh my goodness, look, he just drug everybody down with him. Um, 
I think enough attention is on them now that this stuff's going to come out naturally, organically. Finally, I want to talk about this. A warning. The reason we're supposed to do this public refutation, rebuttal, rebuking that goes on in 1 Timothy 5.20, right? To tell everybody. It says that the rest also may fear. Let's take this seriously. I've heard calls for, well, this is why Christians need accountability. This is why pastors need accountability. I can tell you, I don't think that's the answer. Um, here's, the, here's the problem, right? Accountability only works if I have the integrity to tell you what's wrong. The minute I'm willing to lie about it, accountability means nothing. I can meet with five guys every day for the next 20 years. It wouldn't matter if I just was willing to lie to them. Here's the question I have to ask, right? Accountability is good. It's healthy. It's just that it doesn't work for stopping a fraud. It only works on sincere people who are very humble and open about their issues. Here's the question I have. If the lead pastor of my church was doing what Ravi did, would he get away with it? How long would it take before he was stopped? I, if you're part of it, not just part of a church and you don't even know what's going on with the, with the leadership, I don't, don't worry about this. Okay. But if you're part of the leadership of a church, hear me out. If your core top leader was totally corrupt and, and double faced like Ravi, would he get away with it? And how long would he be able to use his personality, um, in order to bully other people who try to open up, open up Would people on staff who ask sincere questions and want answers, would they get, would they get shouted down? Would they be mistreated? And would they just then become silent? Would he be able to cover his tracks? Could he get away with it? And I have to ask myself this as I am starting Bible Thinker as a its own ministry. And we're, we've got a board now. We're setting up all of our policies and all this. And I'm like, just this whole thing caused me to be aware. I have to, I have to set things up in such a way that if I was a total fraud, the board wouldn't let me get away with it. Like, I don't know any other way to handle this. So we're going to figure this out moving forward as we continue setting up Bible Thinker and put it in our actual like bylaws and all that. Um, because I, I realized that you, there's ways to structure an organization so that I've always got the veto. I've always had the ultimate power. And it's tempting to do that because you're worried someone else is going to come and ruin your ministry. But what if you're corrupt? What if I become corrupt? What if I start uh, spending... Uh, Money that's supposed to go to ministry as down payment on a new home. And I'm like, well, you know, the, the the office is my studio. Technically, this is like a ministry expense so we could have a studio, which I would consider to be immoral to do that, right? But what if I don't? What if I change my mind? What if I'm lying to you now and I'm really, I really am planning on doing that? How would we stop an immoral leader in an organization, a Christian organization? I think we need to have structures that say, this is how we know it won't happen here. And um, I don't think it's one of those things where we just blanket, we just let's have to get rid of all the board members and have these knee-jerk reactions. We have to have like actual practical, pragmatic applications into the leadership and organizational structure. Like for instance, when an accusation against a leader comes, how do we handle that? Are there rules on this? Why aren't there rules? We need to assign somebody who is, this is practical, right? Somebody who is not beholden to that leader who can investigate it, who has the integrity and tenacity and a motive to find out the truth about the issue, right? They're not going to lose their job if they investigate it and find that guy's guilty. We need, we need, what happens, right? When an accusation comes, I get accusations all the time. People accuse me of things all the time. Recently, they keep accusing me of deleting their comments. Guys, I don't delete your comments, right? YouTube just has weird comment issues sometimes. <laughs> and so I, we get accused of these things all the time. It happens, but what we, we can't just disregard all accusations. We have to have an avenue for the true accusations to become known. Do we have that in our structure? I think we have to very seriously look at that and do that if you're a leader in a church organization. Ask yourself honestly, 
a true accusation came against a, a major charismatic leader in our group, would it get through or would it be blocked? The alternative to this is accepting every accusation as if it's true. And this is utterly foolish. It, it provides total power to destroy anyone's reputation with anybody who's upset with them. Okay, that's that's foolish. Okay, we can't just, you can't just believe every accusation automatically. But there's got to be a vetting that, that gets the true ones through. That's the thing. Ravi is an anomaly. Can I encourage you? He's an anomaly. Most of the believers I know, like I know some of these guys that are out there, I know personally, I've talked to them. We've had heart to hearts with each other. Like I know, I, I know John McRae, right? He's not a fraud. The guy loves the gospel of Christ. He wants people to know Jesus Christ from what do you mean, right? Uh, Jonathan Noyce, these are two guys that are part of my board, right? And um, there's a guy that's so sincere, so serious about ministry, a passionate heart to serve the Lord and love him. And I believe his life is consistent, though neither of them are perfect and neither am I, that's for sure. I just think there's consistency in their lives. I don't know that many people, right? I've met a few people here and there. I don't really know them. Um, but I would say this, that the guys I've met most of the time, I find behind it is like this real sincere desire to um, to love God, to serve God, to see people come to Christ. They, they just are in love with the truth of Christianity. They want others to know it. Be encouraged, okay? Please be encouraged. But sometimes when you get up into that leadership position, you have more and more temptations to make it about you. I teach about this all the time because it's something that I'm, I'm very concerned about. Um, pastoral abuse, pastoral arrogance, and all that other stuff. Now, let me just say finally, last, last thing. If it's you, if you are Ravi, if you've been living a double life, here is your last chance. Very possibly, this is your last chance. Openly repent. Confess. I don't care if you go to prison. You need to openly confess what you've done. If Ravi had confessed, this whole story would be different now. Oh, he'd be shunned. But you know what? In Christianity, there is such grace for the truly, sincerely repentant person that we can see a life change. We can see so many beautiful things come. Don't keep yourself trapped in your sin and your double life if that's you. Whatever it is, no matter how illegal or bad, here's your chance to repent. Give your life to Christ. Truly. You may not even know how far down rock bottom is going to be or how you'll crawl back up, but that's okay because it's way better than this. It's way better than this because Ravi is now facing the consequences of his double life. He is now facing the consequences of causing the little ones of Jesus to stumble. He is now dealing with the question we have, did Jesus ever know him? And it's really hard to see how he did. This is real life, real consequences, and we need real responses in our lives today. I hope this has helped you guys. God bless you, give you wisdom and and thank you for being with me. The next thing I'm going to do is, I, I mean, Friday I have scheduled to do the Q&A. We'll talk, we're going to talk about scripture. We're going to talk about the truth of Christ. We're going to talk about helping people through their situations. Um, Monday, I'm back into the Mark series doing verse by verse teaching. This is, of course, my favorite thing to do. And so we're going to be back into all those things. I felt compelled and I already told you why. So, so God bless you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's still perfect. Utterly, beautifully, wonderfully, sinlessly perfect. 